Good evening, church. I would like to bring you a message this Wednesday evening, how to grow a church. But before I do, I want to remind you that this is our Wednesday night message. And with our Wednesday night message, we always want to remember our missionaries and some of whom are in, in bad places and difficult places and dangerous places. So please keep our missionaries in your prayers and please keep our, our sick. Please keep our sickly in your prayers as well. Uh, as a body of believers, we should all be praying for one another. So please remember that when we come back to church, we're going to have a lot of changes to make and we're going to be doing some things that will help us to grow a church in a very difficult world to live in. And I, I thought of this passage of, of Scripture. I actually, I have on my notes here that I preached this message, and I have dressed it up a lot, on February 6th, 2009, of all things. And I want to uh, be a blessing to you. And I want to be a blessing to our core group, your Wednesday night. You're the Wednesday night believers. And I want us to be reminded of how we're to set up and grow a church. Now, this particular message, Pentecost has just happened. The Holy Ghost has just come down upon the disciples. Peter has just given this tremendous Pentecostal message where he has accused the Jews of killing the Messiah. And his message was very, very, uh, very powerful. And they actually went, yelled out, what do we do? And he said, repent, repent and change and grow. And these are the things the first century Christian church did there in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I hope you'll follow along. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, Peter's word, they were baptized, baptizo. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now listen, this church grew from 120 approximately, some say maybe 500, this church just grew to 3,120 because 3,000 just got saved and baptized. They had some changes to make. They had some joy and to lead and direct that many newborn Christians as well had to be difficult. Well, I want to take you through this a little bit at a time. Then they that gladly, verse 41 received his word definition of received to take fully into your heart fully completely not half-heartedly as opposed to half-heartedly or lukewarm i know with me and my wife when we got saved in 1975 we did it completely 
wholeheartedly. We changed our life and our habits, started going to church, started witnessing, reading our Bible uh, every day, carrying a Bible in my pocket everywhere I went. It was fantastic. What a, what a change in my, our lives it made. To receive is to take fully into your heart, not half, as opposed to full, not lukewarm, but with heat and uh, with fire in your heart. As I was musing, the fire burned, the prophet said. It says, they that gladly received fully his word, they were baptized. Baptized, baptizo, fully immersion, full immersion. Part, and when you do, you are per, participating in the death, burial, and resurrection. Participating in it as if you were doing it symbolically. The death, the burial, and resurrection. Those that receive the Christian faith ought to receive Christian baptism. Back in our scripture, Acts, 40, Acts 2, 41. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. Those who are joined to Christ are added to the disciples of Christ and join with them. When we take God as our God, we take his people to be our people. Listen, it's not our choice. I talk to people all the time, one just this week in a home visit. It's not our choice to stay home. When church is going to be open again, we need to visit together. We need to come together in a church. I know that there are some physical limitations, but once we're open, you come and you join with us in church. When we take God for our God, we must take his people to be our people. There is so much They stint in their attendance at church and upon the preaching of the word. It says, verse 42, they continued steadfastly. Definition of steadfastly, to persevere, be constantly diligent, to attend faithfully. And I go to this scripture in Hebrews chapter 10. I'd like for you to follow along with me. <clears throat> Especially those of you who call yourselves Christians and are, are there listening to the word of God on the radio or on TV or in your phones but you don't have any intention of joining the church or coming back to church. Watch this. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. And that's what one of the reasons for church, for the body of believers to provoke unto love, the love of God and the love of others, to provoke unto love with forgiveness and no bitterness, 
to serve one another. Then this next part, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's not our choice to say we're a Christian and then to stay home from church. Oh, you have all kinds of excuses. Oh, you have all kinds of reasons. But it was God's intention. Church came out of his mind. It's not our right to declare where we don't go to church. Read that with me again, Hebrews 10, 25, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some are, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what were they continuing steadfastly in? Well, first, they were continually steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the teaching. This is a Bible church. We will always teach the Word. We will always do verse by verse and definitions of Word. I want to teach you. Pastor Rodney wants to teach you the Word of God, the meaning of being a Christian, and to encourage you to study, to study. Before I get to that, he can... They continued steadfastly, number one, in the apostles' doctrine, in the teaching of the apostles. I have three we shoulds here. Three, how to grow a church? Three things that we should do. Number one, we should desire to receive instruction. Oh, when I was first saved, I couldn't get enough. When church was open, when Bible studies were elsewhere, when there were small group studies, I went, I went, I went and went. And I soon became the teacher of the small group study. I soon became the the one people came to because I studied and studied the word. We should desire to receive instruction. Never, never think that you know it all. You don't. And about the time you need something, you need some wisdom to give to someone else or to direct yourself, you won't have the Bible wisdom and instruction to help steer you or them in the right direction. So we we want to desire to receive instruction. Number two, we should... If we're going to grow a a church, we should be teachable. As a pastor sitting out with a full congregation, it is amazing to see how many people are so bored. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's me. I think people just have so many distractions going on in their life. Be teachable. Never think that you know it all, that you don't need this. You can always find things in the Word. Number three, we should be intentional 
learners. Come to church and be an intentional learner, Don't, not passive. I remember several times, I've been here 22 years now, I remember the several people that carried little notebooks and sit on the edge of their pew and they, they're just always writing. It is such an encouragement to me that they come wanting to learn. Wow. 2 Timothy 3.16, again, all Scripture, that's the Word of God. Hopefully what's in your hand or in front of you is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God is God breathed it out of his nostrils. Inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. What to believe. It's profitable for reproof when you're wrong. It tells you you're wrong. It's profitable for correction. How to correct your wrongs. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Once, you've, once you have learned, once you have seen what you're doing wrong, once you've, been, been, you've, you've received the knowledge that you're doing something wrong, then you have the instruction in righteousness. And all of that for what reason? That the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect simply means mature, the mature one. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he will be delivered. I hear this all the time. I know what the Bible says. But I think. Don't you dare think of that. Anytime you think that way or you might say that or hear someone else. I know what the Bible says about this, 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 and this. But I think, well, that was in the old days. If God said it, he doesn't repent of what he says. If God said it, believe it. It's true. And there are so few Christians out there that truly believe every word of the word of God. To hear that makes, turns my, my, my stomach that you would challenge God Jehovah. You would challenge Jesus Christ when he says this. You say, yeah, I know, I know, I know, but I think it's okay. Please be careful. Self-reliance versus God-reliance. Please be careful. Who are you? Self-reliant, making up your own way? Accepting part of the Word of God, but doing some things your way because you think it's best? No. No. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool because... Our hearts are fickled. Oh, I used to fall in love so easy. I think it was a seventh grade that I went steady with 38 girlfriends. One would look at me and I'd be in love. I was fickled. We can be fickled toward God. We can be fickled and 
We can trust in our own heart, but our own heart gives us all kinds of excuses and reasons why we should believe what we want to believe. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but walk wisely. Well, what were they continuing steadfastly in? First, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teachings. Next, next, they continued steadfastly in fellowship. 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 That's what I miss the most. I know some of you feel the same. Just being with all of our friends and family and loved ones means so much to us. They had that in the first century church. We have that here. We need to keep that. We need to hold on to it. Fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship. Fellows in the same ship. Fellowship. Birds of a feather flocking together. Same interests. Same beliefs. Be very careful. Fellowship. A first century secular unsaved writer once wrote, see how these Christians love one another. I think that's true of our church. I remember back in about 1990, 96 or 7 in that area, my previous church's softball team would play against Smith Corner Church's softball team. And all the other teams in the league even. There was such a difference in the love that this church had and showed one another. It was remarkable. And I was so thrilled when God called me to this church because of their love. Notice their love one for another. Well, that's how you grow a church. You love one another. A very quick study on fellowship. Not only are we called to have fellowship with one another, but we are called on to have fellowship with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. To have fellowship with Him For me, it's to practice the presence with him at all times, but especially those prayer times. Wow. God is faithful. By the way, we're warned. We're warned about who not to have fellowship with. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what part has that? Has he that believes with an infidel? 
And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of God. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We are warned by God, seeing it through the centuries, how born-again believers can be pulled away, can be pulled away. C.S. Lewis wrote a book, very famous book. I encourage you to read it. It's called The Screwtape Letters. He was the main star of, uh, the main character of the book was a, a demon named Screwtape. And he was writing short chapter letters to the beginning, the novice demons on how, on how to keep their people from receiving Christ. And in the book they call Christ the enemy. And he wrote this young, this young demon, the newer demon supposedly, on how to keep his person that he's been assigned to away from the enemy. Well, he failed. He failed in that because a, a girl invited the host, the young man to church and he got saved. Well, aside from all that, now what do we do? Now what do we do? He got saved. Well, now we want to him to become ineffective. What should we do? Introduce him to another girl, one that's not a Christian. And they introduced him to another girl, and she was such a distraction to this new born-again Christian man. And that's what Satan does to us. Listen. Through the years, I have seen the greatest, the mightiest, the strongest, the most faithful young people, even adults, who love the Lord, would give their life for Jesus only for the sake of love, for the sake of love, to be loved and to love someone, they leave Christianity almost altogether because they're in love. What did he say? 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you're going to, I probably haven't changed your mind. And I'm so sad about that. Having been a youth pastor for so many years as well, and I look back and I, or hear about my own old youth group, how they, how they so easily departed from Christianity for the sake of love, to be loved. It's one of those things, but I believe it's okay. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Ephesians 5, 11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather reprove them. We're warned about who not to have fellowship with. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works. Psalms 1, 
How blessed is the man, happiest is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor who stands in the way of sinners, nor who sits in the seat of the scornful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who has an influence on you. We're to have an influence on the lost, not the lost having an influence on us. Back in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread. That's communion. First, they continued steadfastly. Do this in remembrance of me is what we do. Communion four, four times a year for every season. Haven't been able to get to it much. But to take communion, to take communion together is such a blessing to share that experience. It says they continued steadfastly in their prayers. Number four, number in prayers. I do this sometime, this little short story. I want to reflect it upon this in your prayers. By the way, I think our prayer lives are one of the most instrumental things that, de- that decide our, our, our future, our eternity, our closeness to God. 1975, I asked Jesus into my heart. I started, I really asked Jesus into my heart. I mean, I really did wholeheartedly. And as this little story goes, I asked him into my house, my heart, my home, and took him through all the different rooms and interests in 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 my house, my heart. And I was walking down a hallway and off to the left of my heart was a little room with a fireplace in it and a nice couch. And Jesus said, what's this room? And I said, oh, well, that's kind of a reading room where I go when I want to read. It's nice and comfortable. And he says, oh, I like that room. Would you meet with me every day in that room? And I, what do you say when the Lord of glory says he wants to meet with you in that room on that couch? So I said, yes, and I did real well for the first week, two or three. And then something happened and I was late, running, running late, and I didn't have time. As time went on, I forgot about it altogether. And I was walking down the hallway of my heart and I looked into that room and there was Jesus sitting. And I went, oh, Jesus, have you been in here all this time waiting for me? And this is what he said. Oh, you think prayer is all for you? Well, it's not. It's also for me. Prayer. We often look at prayer as if it's about asking and asking and asking. We always think about it's our wish list. Prayer is supposed to be worship and thanksgiving as well. 
praising him. There is this lost art of praise. Praising him. There are four parts to prayer. To remember to first of all confess your sin. Then to adore him with compliments. Giving him compliments. He loves it. Most people go right to the last thing. Their supplication asking for things. Give me, give me, give me things. But I think in my mind's eye. When I sit and adore him. He goes, oh, 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 I like that. When we give him compliments, that's what adore is, to give him compliments. Thanks, I've learned in my life that for, for me, it's one of my strengths. It's who I am, thankful, thankful, thankful. But some people aren't as thankful. But if you would start doing 10 things you're most thankful for, Develop the habit. With the adore, I always, when I need help, I always do the alphabet and I give him compliments starting with each letter of the alphabet. With the thanks, I start at 10. What are the things I'm most thankful for? It's wonderful. It's wonderful way to pray. The supplication is the asking. And again, I start off Asking for me things that I need and want. And I work out like I'm a bullseye of an archery target. And the next line out, I, I ask for things for my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my friends, then my church. And I'm asking for things. And sometimes, and so many of you are good at having your prayer list. And that's the time to invoke that. But it is so wonderful when I'm done, I feel so close to God. It's my glowing moment. And you want to do it so that when you get up, you feel the presence of the Lord with you wherever you go. In verse 43, fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And fear came upon every soul. Fear of what? Alarm, fright, to be afraid, very afraid. Fear of what? How about damnation? How about hellfire, wrath of God, both now and later? In Ephesians 5, 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, because they will. They will use so many words to convince you otherwise. Empty words, but some people are so easily led by the golden mouse. There are golden mouse out there. Vain words. Let no man deceive you with vain words. There's no hell. There's, there's no right or wrong. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Wrath of God, now and later for those that are partakers. I want to be closing with these four pieces of advice, four words of advice. The first one comes as a word of the importance of fellowship. It goes like this. 
1 John, That which we have seen and heard declare we to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship. And that's why people that stay at home when there is church offered, that's what they miss. Then it goes, and these things write we to you that your joy may be full. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, walk in sin, we're liars. and We do not tell the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And when we meet together, we have that unity that we know that we're all trying. Now, we're not perfect. Let no one think that we have a perfect church or perfect people. No, this is a place for broken people, for those that have made mistakes. This is a place for sinners to receive forgiveness, to confess their sins. Worshiping God together should be our daily work. And where there is opportunity, the more often it is done publicly, the better. I said I had four words. The second word is about fully receiving the word. Verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word to take fully into the heart as opposed to half heart. I, when, when, when I got saved, it wasn't a question of, well, what of, what of this don't I like? What of this do I like? No. I received the word and uh, into my heart, all of it. They gladly received it. Herod heard the word gladly, but he didn't receive it. There is a difference between hearing in receiving. Third word about the importance of prayer. Stop making God wait on your prayers. I know it's a hard concept, but you're just not that important to make the God of creation wait on your prayers. One more word about fear. Damnation, hellfire, wrath of God, both now and later, let no man deceive you with vain words, and they sure will try. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And I found this quote, this quote, partakers. Partake with the children of disobedience now and you will partake with them later. Will you think on that, please? Birds of a feather, people on the same ship. We want to grow a church. We want to help you to be part of it. Please choose the fellowship that comes from receiving the word fully into your heart. Please choose fellowship with God and fellow Christians and not the children of disobedience.
So choose fellowship, choose prayer, choose heaven and not hell. It is a choice. It's how to grow a church. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you first of all for this wonderful church, this church filled with with great Christians trying to be their best. Thank you, Lord, for the love which these people have. Lord, help us to turn it up, to turn it on as we begin to make plans maybe to come back. Help us, Lord, to remember to love one another, to have fellowship with one another, to share one another's lives. Thank you, Lord. Ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch our hearts and lives, and I leave it upon you, Lord, if there be sin, to convict us of it, to convict us to the point that we repent and come back to you. And Lord, as one body of believers scattered all over, help us, Lord, to build a church, to rebuild this church. Help us, Lord, your help, your power. In Jesus' name, amen.